two, one, and welcome everyone to the second episode of We Leaders, where we, Simon Maywaring of We First Branding, is here to share how to shift the mindset from a me mindset to a we mindset. Simon, welcome to the show. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing super fantastic today, my friend. And there is no shortage of crises out in the world to talk about this day assignment. What are you seeing and hearing from business leaders that you're working with? At a top level, I'd say it's kind of the relentlessness of these crises. I mean, if you look at the last two or three years, you've had the climate crisis, then you've had COVID and all its variants. You've had, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, you've had the climate crisis reassert itself. You have the war in Ukraine. We have inflation, recession, you know, and now we have, you know, Roe v. Wade. And so what I'm hearing from CEOs and CMOs is really the recognition that a crisis is no longer the exception to the rule, but rather it's the rule. In which case, what do you do? And that's the question they're asking themselves. How do they navigate this landscape of constant crises? And on the last episode, we we covered a range of topics and, and we covered uh, you know, how, how to prepare, being prepared for crises is the best way to be ready and take these things on. Kind of let's let's go back to uh, share with our audience how one can prepare for crises to come. Well, one of the things that I'm very adamant about is that brands need to become first responders in as much as no longer are they sort of like limited to the, lim- or the purview of business in terms of, you know, where they sell products or what markets they're in, but rather it's all about how they can take care of all stakeholders, their suppliers, their employees, communities in which they operate and so on when a crisis hits. So how do you prepare? Think about, you know, it's a metaphor in a sense, but think about you know, the police and firefighters and so on. They are in a constant state of preparation for something to go wrong. They don't wait for something to go wrong and then suddenly start training. So they're actually live in a state of recognition that there is going to be something that's going to demand their attention and time very, very soon. So what should you do? Treat each one of these crises as a pilot program for how you need to show up next time and really map and codify what you did around the climate crisis or BLM or you know the war in Ukraine and evolve and iterate that plan and make sure your organization uh, is as agile as possible to respond as quickly and in, with intention as possible when these crises do arise. So, you know, it's not just about this new idea that a brand needs to be a first responder, but rather you need to act preemptively like a first responder, which is to make a plan, iterate, evolve, and get ready for those those issues that come up. In, in the most recent and most topical crises being Roe v. Wade, uh, the new ruling that came down where it says it's not a, a federal uh, right to have uh, an abortion in these states. Now we're leaving it up to your own individual states. How have you seen out there business leaders prepare for this, this change and this movement, knowing that it was coming all along? You know, what's really interesting to me is the difference between the response to BLM, Black Lives Matter, and what is happening right now. And this is my personal observations from my perspective, line of sight, my life. So, you know, I'm not saying it's a blanket rule, but what I saw happen when, you know, the tragic murder of George Floyd and so on, there was this massive outpouring and a lot of brands rushed to market with a point of view, a message in support of inclusion, diversity and so on, social justice and equity. 
And then a lot of them got you know, in, a, in trouble because they didn't have diverse boards. They didn't have programs in place to support that and so on and so on. So it made brands that much more cautious and rightly so, because you've got to make sure your own house is in order before you go out there and make a statement in support of something. You can't just manage your optics. It can't just be a campaign. It's got to be true of your company. So what I've observed around Roe v. Wade, and again, it's through my lens, is that brands have been much slower to react. A, because they want to see how things are falling out and you know what's going to be possible from a legislative point of view as opposed to SCOTUS and so on, but also because I think they wanted to sort of really circle the wagons talk to their own internal stakeholders, have a clear point of view, make sure their health care plans or free legal support or whatever they're going to do is in place, and then go out with a point of view so that they're much more defensible and prepared, and therefore they're mitigating the risk that there's going to be blowback from you know, whatever they go to market with. And so what you're suggesting uh, is this is what you're seeing on the ground right now. It's what's happening. Yeah. People are, are awaiting. You want them to be a little bit more prepared. What, what are you suggesting when it comes to this this new legislative change, this new uh, law, uh, what are you suggesting? Uh, how are you suggesting business owners react to this? Well, this is my personal opinion. As a business owner and as a husband and father of two daughters and so on, I think every woman should have a constitutional right to her own sort of reproductive health. And to that end, I would encourage companies to adjust their healthcare plans, to cover travel costs, um, so that people can get abortions if they need to do so out of state, to ideally provide um, legal support, free legal support, if an issue does come to a head in the state in which they live. And even to go so far as you see companies like Patagonia saying where they'll bail their employees out of jail if they get arrested while they're peacefully protesting the issue. So I think there's a broad spectrum of what you know companies can do. It could be indirect, as in more paid um, leave or time off so that they can, you know, the, the, the person in question, the woman in question can deal with these issues, or it might be direct with sort of, you know, travel costs being covered and so on. But I think you need to recognize that every woman has a right and a sole right to actually be in charge of, you know, her reproductive health. And you need to, as a company, to show up and, and make that possible for her. And I want to offer a new point of view in terms of the stance that you take, where you are saying right now, you want to make sure that every female has the right to take control of her own body. And that's what I believe in as well. Get the government out of my individual body. Wow. How does that impact with COVID though? How does that reflect with COVID and mm -hmm. my body, my choice? How can a business owner say that, but also enforce uh, a mandate uh, injections into your own body without kind of your will in order to work at the company. Is that a little hypocritical? Is that you know, also something that, I mean, just thinking long term, how do you make a decision today, but also on a, on a topic that might be on the opposite side, maybe a little bit contradicted? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, what I love most is that this wonderful presumption that you have that human beings make sense any of the time, and they do it. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of confusing things going on. For example, the, the judgment, the SCOTUS judgment with regards to New York not being able to define its own, you know, rulings in and around open carry and so on. And that needed to be mandated at a federal level. Yet here we have, you know, Roe v. Wade, and that's being left, you know, to the states, you know, and 
um, you know, they have to regulate it themselves. So there's contradiction there. But also, you know, with COVID, I think it was in alignment with federal regulations in service of the larger population in the sense that if you go back to work, then you're, for the sake of all employees, you need to, you know, be vaccinated and so on. That was a moment in time. I mean, now mask mandates have been dropped. Um, there's not the booster shots much anymore. We probably see three or four um, days a week is common. What I'm seeing now, people are going back to the office. So people aren't so fearful. They won't go back to the office at all. But I think, you know, both in, in terms of the service of the company, um, what is happening, both in terms of the service of the company, what is happening is you're seeing employers want to protect their own employees. You know, and they have to do that by making sure that the health and well-being of the whole employee community is taken care of. So, and that's in line with federal regulations. So I would say that um, if the health and well-being of the greatest number of people is the unifying principle, I don't see so much inconsistency there, but it is a crazy making time. I mean, I don't know what you're like, but every time I open the headlines every two days, I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? Like, this is like maddening. We are, we are, this is like... Every time, it's like someone spins you around too many times and they say, walk in a straight line and they say, wait a second, and they spin you around the other way. And every CEO or executive team is trying to walk in a state li straight line, but they're just being knocked sideways all the time. Now, let's, let's go into that with the recession a little bit. And, and here's what I've been hearing from people uh, working at large corporations, a uh, lot more tense right now. Right. Quota uh, must be meant. You need to do X, Y, Z. And where I see that happening is it's all at the top. Yeah. Uh, many people who grow, grew really, really fast during a, a nice time, right? They, they've experienced this great time in this bull market, right? Now when, when uh, lending in the economy and, and money starts to tighten, people are getting a lot more fearful, especially their leaders, and they're coming down on the managers who are then coming down our employees who are saying, hey, look, I'm trying super hard to do this, but you're blaming me right now. And so from a leadership perspective, Simon, how have you seen business leaders change throughout this new recession period and what can they do? You know, a few lenses on this because it's been very disorientating for anyone in leadership capacity when you're trying to hire people or keep them right now, because arguably not to oversimplify, the power shifted to the employee. There really was you know, the great resignation. It was harder for people to keep the people they had and that they needed for their business and hard for them to get the people that they want. But now, as we see inflation and gas prices going up and so on, companies are starting to, you see the layoff headlines starting now, 10% of workforce is being cut, budgets being cut. And so suddenly the net effect of that is the power is shifting back to their employer in a sense that because employees are a little bit fearful that they may lose their job, even if they don't want to. And so I see the pendulum swinging back a little bit. You know, I think we've had a really, really a great run over the last eight or nine years and everybody kept hiring. And a lot of companies are saying they probably hired too aggressively. And now that now they're pulling back and that's just a function of what is seems to be this imminent recession. So what you do in a leadership capacity, you have to take care of the, the well-being of the business. You've got to rationalize costs. You've got to look at what your essential needs are and you need to communicate that effectively to your company. And if there is something that needs to be done, you need to absorb that horrible leadership role, which is to you know, rationalize your workforce and perhaps lay off people or whatever it might be. But it's got to be in service of the well-being of the whole so that everyone within that company can thrive. And I, I do think you're going to see the power 
they shift a little bit back more towards employers rather than employees as it's been over the last couple of years. In your experience to go on that, what have been some good approaches from leaders at the top justifying uh, the execution or firing of uh, employees who they maybe wrongfully hired or didn't really realize that this was coming? You know, I've had so many tough experiences of where you've had to let people go, especially when I was a staff guy before I started We First. It's never a good day when you have to do that. There is never a right way. You're dealing with flesh and blood and a human being with relationships and a life and hopes and aspirations. And it is absolutely horrible. I remember once I had a job and on the first day of my job, I was asked to go in and ask uh, seven people to leave. And they had to pick up their stuff within half an hour, be out of the office. And it was, and I, you know, you walk outside between those conversations and you're just like, oh my God, I can't do this. This is horrible. And this is just like terrible for them. It's a horrible experience to have to go through. So there is no right way. But all you can do is be honest and transparent. And you can say, this is what is going on in the marketplace. This is what it means for our industry more broadly. This is what it means for our company specifically. This is what our trajectory or our strategy is for how we navigate this difficult time. And here are the implications, which amongst other things include reducing our workforce by X, Y, and Z. And the most important thing you can do is make sure you take care of those people as generously as you can, as they go on to, to look for new positions. But, you know, if the generosity, if your generosity comes at the cost of the whole company because you can't carry that capital expense, that operational expense of all of those employees, then you're not, you're not being of service to the business. And that's just part of leadership. I, I like how, you know, I guess a lot of what we're talking about on these programs are the crises, are the doom and gloom. But I think you and I would both agree from what I'm hearing from you are the best leaders are the ones who prepare and the ones who see the opportunity in, yeah. in these crises. And, and people like Patagonia, you said, you know, we'll, co we'll cover travel costs, we'll have legal support, we'll provide bail for employees. That's opportunity to attract better employees and, and also galvanizes the employee base uh, when their company's prepared to make a stance on that. One of the series... All the other programs that's out there, Simon's, HBO's um, Game of Thrones. And right. in this Game of Thrones... There's a they, prequel coming. There's, there's the Jon Snow version coming. You know, for, for all the Thrones out there, they'll love this kind of analogy. But in, in the first season, they talk about uh, you know, winter is coming and how to be prepared. And talking about you summer boys, right? You have not experienced winter. Talking about the, the, uh, the, the White Walkers the cold storms, the war time that happens when these things happen. You're getting me misty right now because I'm a bit of a throner, so yeah. Okay, you are. Well, wonderful. Well, that's what I want to ask you about today. In terms of relativity, time, relative, we're going through this, these, these, small, these crises right now, but in the, long, in the grand scheme of things, where do you think we are in terms of winter? Is it coming? Yeah, it's a great question. And I want to back up for one second and say, it's a mindset that you need to have to navigate this coming winter. And what do I mean? During something like a winter, to use the metaphor, you've got to set new goals to survive, to thrive, because the business landscape is different. But you cannot achieve new goals without a new mindset. And time and again, over my 30-year career, I see companies try and double down on new goals or whatever it might be, 
but that their, their behavior is framed by the mindset they bring to that goal and they haven't changed the mindset. That's one thing. The second thing you've got to do is you've got to stop building on the past and you have to back out of the future. So instead of thinking about you know, your strategic planning or your, your business planning um, from, okay, what worked last year and how can we incrementally innovate and do something better and so on and so on. In my experience, you're far better served projecting five years out, 10 years out and creating milestones working backwards. So that's the second mindset shift. And then the third thing is something I touched on before, which is to act preemptively in terms of you know, recognizing that there's always going to be a, a crisis out there to some degree affecting your supply chain, your employees, your communities, whatever it might be, and to plan as a first responder to get ahead of that. So there's three different sort of aspects to the new mindset you need to be. And where are we in terms of the winter? I think, and I'm not an economist, you know, I read the headlines like everybody else, but it seems that a lot of the indicators that in the past have pointed to a lot of contraction and, you know, inflation and recessionary cycle and so on seems to be coming our way. In which case, back to your point about being positive, what I see the best leaders doing is they're reframing this sort of course correction right now and saying, okay, we have distilled our organization down to its essence. We have our core people here now. And every one of these challenges is a marketplace opportunity. And we are going to preemptively strategize about how we can drive business growth and thrive in these difficult times by looking clear-eyed at the marketplace and saying, okay, we're going to solve for these issues. We're going to innovate to solve for these problems. We're going to think about how we need to evolve our product and service offerings to meet the real needs of real clients in today's world, not what they did two years ago, four years ago, six years ago. So increasingly, I'm seeing the ability of companies to adapt and be agile at a greater pace is really setting them apart. So have those three different mindset shifts and then make sure you're really clear-eyed about the world that, you, world that you live in and be really agile and dynamic about it. And here's the simplest way I'd put it. That slightly nauseated feeling you have where you're off balance the whole time and you feel like you're not really sure, you haven't got solid ground under your feet, that's our new home. Hmm. That's every day. It's not like, oh, solid with the exception of that feeling. It is going to be uneasy and uncertain all the time moving forward. And the greater we can get our sea legs underneath us in that circumstance, the better. And I love how all, all, all of this kind of orients around the, the human, the, the people within the organization, uh, the branding that attracts mm -hmm. these individuals, the positions that you take attracting people who are aligned, which can, you know, can galvanize and create a strong linked arm-to-arm -arm army ready to prepare you for the, the oh-so-cold winter where in in a, a company's organization uh, is this going to show up? Is this going to show up in retention, uh, recruiting, attractiveness? What are some key areas for business leaders listening out, out there where branding uh, in this stance, in this, uh, this mindset can really, uh, I guess, ingrain into the, the culture? Yeah, because if it doesn't deliver value to the business, what's the point, right? Because you've got to stay in business to have the impact you want to achieve. So what is the ROI to being a we leader? There's several, and this is not exhaustive, but like there's the reputation of the company in that you are relevant to the marketplace and showing up meaningfully. There is the supply chain defensibility or risk mitigation that you're really challenging your suppliers to show up differently and better serve people and planet. There is you know, the ability to attract, retain, get the greatest productivity out of your employees 
and really inspire them to be the most effective advocates for new talent coming to your organization. Then there is the marketing component, where if you really look at this collaboratively, when you're in the service of the greatest number of people, you get you appeal to a growing number of conscious consumers that look at their phones every day and see all of these challenges and they wanna work for, buy from, or invest in companies that are part of the solution and not part of the problem. And even more broadly, you know, you're on the right side of history. You know, as, as we live in this context of compounding and interrelated crises, if you're not really very articulate and consistent in your storytelling about the role that you're playing, how can you be seen as relevant to the reality of all your stakeholders' lives? And on the positive side of all of that is you're going to capture the upside of all the new emerging market forces that are there, where, as I said, people want to buy from, invest in, work for companies doing good. And if you're ahead of that wave, it will carry you forward. If you're behind that wave, you'll slide off the back. And so there is so much ROI to thinking this way. And if I was to oversimplify, it really is a mindset which is collaborative from the outset. You are working with your suppliers. You are creating culture, co-creating it with your employees. You are building your business collaboratively with your customers as they advocate for you out in the world. And you are forming partnerships across sector with competitors between industries to make sure that you're leveling up everybody's game at a time where that's gonna benefit everyone's business. I love exactly what you're saying. Now, for people listening to this and saying, hey, look, I, I want to build more collaborations. I want to link arms. I want to strengthen my base. Uh, where can they learn more about We First and, and your book, We Leaders? I mean, if they're interested in the sort of consulting work we do, I mean, you know, at, you can connect with me, Simon, at wefirstbranding.com. But I also have a new book out there um, called Lead With We, The Business Revolution That Will Save Our Future. That's up on Amazon. Uh, Lead With We, The Business Revolution That Will Save Our Future. And, you know, um, it's been widely recognized as something that is uh, spot on in terms of not just this idea of collaborative leadership, but how to execute against that, whether you're a startup, whether you're a high growth company, or you're a very complex global enterprise. And as you know, I interview a lot of folks on my podcast, um, the Lead With We podcast, where I bring in entrepreneurs and, and global leaders and ask them, how do you get this done? So any one of those three points of contact, um, hopefully will be helpful. And so if I'm a leader setting new goals and I want to shift the mindset, which you say is the second step to doing that, how is my mindset going to shift in this book? What are some key takeaways to, to conclude this episode today? Well, a, a couple of things. Um, you know, the, the first book I wrote was this fun about called We First was this shift from the fundamental presumption of being me first, self-directed to being we first, which is being collaborative. This new book, Lead With We, is all about how you get it done. And it's really about shifting from a mindset of a virtuous cycle, do well by doing good, to a virtuous spiral. What does that mean? There is a series of levels that you need to connect in your business and the role of your business out in the world to accelerate your growth and scale your impact. And that includes what you do as an individual, what you do as a leader inside your company, your company's culture, your brand community, society at large, and really at the highest level, that relationship between humanity and the planet. So each one of those levels is important. And I give exhaustive research and case studies and examples of how you do that. But it's the connective tissue between all of them that is so powerful because the sum is greater than the parts. And the companies that do this well, they're the ones who have unlocked those synergies. And so through the work of WeFirst over the last 12 years, I saw these patterns emerge of what really works to drive growth and scale impact 
and then laid out the roadmap in the book. So hopefully that's a little bit of a window into it. So folks, it's the book you need right now to weather the storm that's going to continue to happen. Again, lead with we. Lead with we. It's on Amazon. It's on leadwithwe.com. Folks, lead with we. Go ahead and check it out from the one and only Simon Manware. Simon, appreciate your time coming back on the Real Leaders Podcast for the We Leaders second episode. We look uh, forward to having you on next month as well. What do you think is going to happen next month? You know what? If I knew that, I would buy a lottery ticket tomorrow. I mean, look at the last few months. Every few weeks, there's something that just sends your head spinning. And uh, here's the thing. One of the most powerful things you can do as a purposeful company is use that purpose as a rudder in these really rough seas. So instead of everyone running around being reactive to all of these crazy changes, be really clear-eyed about who you are as a leader, as a company, and then let that chart your course through these ever-changing crises. And you'll be much calmer, much cl more clear-headed, and you'll show up much more meaningfully while everyone else is running around saying the sky's falling in. We can be positive because we're gonna solve all these issues together, but you really need to be clear-eyed about who you are to be able to do that. Folks, lead with we. Get some sleep at night. It's okay. Get some sleep. Buy the right. book. Buy the book right. and, and improve your sleep. And for whatever's keeping you up at night, lead with we at leadwithwe.com. Simon, appreciate you coming on the show. Looking forward to next month and not looking forward to the more crises, but we're going to be here holding it down regardless of what happens. All right. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you to everyone listening.